This is the Root Student Ministry Podcast, where our mission is for middle school and high school students to establish strong roots in their relationship with Jesus by connecting in the body of believers, growing in their knowledge and faith, and going to serve the community and the world. If you would like more information about us, check out our website at icrossroads.org roots, or you can find us on Instagram and TikTok at CSM Roots. From wherever you are listening, we hope you are encouraged by this message. Hi everyone, my name is Patience, and I'm finishing up our Thicker Than Water series today, which is all about family dynamics. I hope for the last couple weeks, you've learned some great ways to navigate family relationships. In my family, I have seven siblings and a handful of step-siblings as well. There were many complicated family relationships, and anyone with a sibling can attest to how easy it is for your sister or brother to get on your nerves. While this is a common experience for many of us growing up, I had a friend who got along really well with their sister. They were super close, and while they had the occasional spat, it was nothing compared to the all-out war that me and my siblings had. I was always over at their house, and it honestly felt like the third wheel compared to how close they were and how much they had in common and how much they wanted to actually spend time together. I know that for my siblings, they would have 100% kicked me to the curb if I even dared to try and hang out with them and their friends. I absolutely loved being at their house because of this. It was free from the constant conflict I was facing at home. And it just felt like they had it all together. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation like that where you saw how one family acted toward each other and couldn't help but compare. Maybe sometimes it seems like other families have something going on for them that your family doesn't. However we feel about our families, we may still have times where we look around and think, wow, it would be great if my family was more like that. Maybe you thought that about a family that was on a show you're watching, a friend's family, a family in your neighborhood or apartment complex. And maybe seeing them makes you wish that your family was better kinder, closer, together, more fun, etc. Whatever it is that they have, your family simply doesn't seem to measure up in your opinion. And there's a part of you that thinks your family should. Maybe for some of you, it isn't that you struggle comparing your family with another one. You simply don't feel like you have enough of a family to compare. Your family experience has been so fragmented and disappointing in so many different places that sometimes the word family doesn't really mean that much to you. Regardless of your family experience, good or bad, memorable or forgettable, no family is perfect. No family is even close. Because of that, your family and mine will never be able to provide everything we need in life. In one way or another, every family will let us down. That's the bad news. Now for the good news. What if God wants to give you more family? What if God is completely capable of doing that? Stick with me because I think what we're talking about today can be a game changer when it comes to the way we view family. When it comes to perfect families, you won't find one in the Bible. The families in the Bible are more like us, imperfect, faced with challenges, and constantly finding themselves in tangled messes. And the people God has used to do big things in the world have never been perfect, which is great news for all of us. One of the things that makes the Bible so amazing is that it doesn't try to hide the major dysfunctions of the people in it. 
These aren't stories about flawless heroes. They are accounts of imperfect or unassuming people who God singled out to accomplish his will. We're going to look at two guys from the Old Testament, David and Jonathan, who came from less than ideal families. For example, when David was a child, the prophet Samuel came to see David's father, Jesse, because he knew that one of Jesse's sons would be the anointed king. When Samuel asked Jesse to bring out all of his sons, Jesse didn't even bring out David. He thought David wasn't worth it. Ouch. Jonathan's mother was passive and uninvolved. His father Saul, however, was the exact opposite. He was overly involved, overly aggressive, and completely irrational. He was obsessed with power and was so set on keeping it that he tried to have David, who God had told would be the next king, killed on multiple occasions. Saul was definitely not winning the Father of the Year award. See what I mean? Totally imperfect. In fact, maybe having some chaotic families is what made them such good friends. In the Old Testament book of 1 Samuel, we are introduced to their relationship. Jonathan is the son of the current king of Israel. David has been anointed by the prophet Samuel to be the future king. Anointed simply means that someone had oil pulled on their head by an important person to show that God had chosen them for a special purpose. When you think about it, David and Jonathan should have been rivals because his dad is the current king. Jonathan would have been next up in line. David, on the other hand, was getting support as an outsider to take over the kingdom. Even with all that being true, they were still friends. And Samuel 18 describes the relationship this way. After David had finished talking with Saul, he met Jonathan, the king's son. There was an immediate bond between them, for Jonathan loved David. From that day on, Saul kept David with him and wouldn't let him return home. And Jonathan made a solemn pact with David because he loved him as he loved himself. Whatever was the covenant pact or promise they made to each other, they took it seriously. These two needed each other at a time when they weren't getting much from their families. David had been removed from his family, and Jonathan's dad completely seemed completely paranoid. Whatever family was supposed to look like, it didn't look that way for either of these guys. Later, Jonathan even looked out for David's life. Check this out in 1 Samuel 19, 1-3. Saul now urged his servants and his son Jonathan to assassinate David. But Jonathan, because of his strong affection for David, told him what his father was planning. Tomorrow morning, he warned him, you must find a hiding place out in the fields. I'll ask my father to go out there with me and I'll talk to him about you. Then I'll tell you everything I can find out. Jonathan spoke well about David to his dad, so well, in fact, that Saul made a vow before God to not harm David. Saul's promise didn't last long, but at least Jonathan tried. Even though David was taking what would have been Jonathan's place on the throne, Jonathan was still an incredible friend to David. He cared about David. He looked out for David's life's future and well-being. He saw potential in David's life. All of us need people like Jonathan in our lives. People who accept us no matter what. People who help steer us in the right direction. People who encourage us in our relationship with Jesus. But what does this have to do with family? Remember, David and Jonathan found 
this in each other when their families were full of dysfunction. In other words, when there were gaps left by their families, they were able to find support from each other. Did they replace family? Of course not, but they showed up for each other in ways that a family should show up for each other. This is one of the reasons why Jesus established the church. It's a group of people uniquely connected by and committed to Jesus, the way he lived and the messages he taught. Jesus established the church because he knows that we need other people in our lives. This body of Christ was created to be there for each other, to love one another, carry each other's burdens, and pray for each other. The church should be committed to each other, not just to Jesus. It doesn't always get this right. In fact, sometimes it gets it very wrong. But the church should be the ultimate place to experience the love of Jesus, and therefore should be a good add-on to your family. Think of it this way. It's important to have family and friends. The writer of the book of Hebrews and the New Testament said it this way, Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to act of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. We don't meet together as church just because of habit or routine. We meet because it's essential. We meet for encouragement and support. We meet because we need each other and we let God and other people fill the potential gaps that have been left by our own families. So these people don't replace our family. They just serve as a larger extended family. But what does this look like in our lives right now? I think it's a couple of things. One, focus on widening your circle. Who are the people you can seek out to be a sort of bonus family? Who are the people who care about you, look out for your best interests, and see potential in you? It should be someone your age or someone older than you. Think about it like this. You've probably all heard about a family tree, but what if you could have the same thing with your friends? We all need different friends for different reasons or moments in our lives. The friend who laughs with us, the friend who always answers our FaceTime, the responsible friend, the reasonable one, the reliable one, the deep conversation friend, the funny one, the friend who is outgoing, and so on. My question is, who are these people in your life? The friends who feel more like extended family, the friends who can walk through life with you regardless of what your family situation looks like, the friends who seem more like family than anyone else. Having these kinds of friends in your life is how you widen your circle. You are being open to new people that God may put in your life. Ask God to bring some new people or open your eyes to people who may already be there. God may surprise you. As you do this, work on caring for other people, accepting them and seeing the potential in them. Be a bonus family for others. Two, talk about it. David and Jonathan made a pact. Sometimes if we want people to be involved in our lives, we have to ask them. If you want someone to be a mentor in your life, ask them. If you want someone to ask you hard questions and hold you accountable, ask them. If you want someone to intentionally help you grow in your faith, tell them. Don't assume they know. Speak up and use your voice. Imagine if in the next few years of your life, you had a group of people outside of your family who felt like and acted like and loved you like family. And what if those people 
actually encouraged you and pushed you to make life in your own home better, not only would that set you up for a better future, it would make you make your life more joyful. It's important to have family and friends. Start today. You can begin doing the work of building your bigger family. It won't happen overnight. Ask God to bring those people into your life. Remember, the family you're born into and the one you build is thicker than water. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I just want to pray that these students are able to find those friends they need to bring in closer to them. And they are also those ones that can encourage others that create that thicker, larger family and relationship, especially here in Roots in our church community, Lord. I just pray that they know that you are with them and that you will always provide the right people in their life. In Jesus' name, amen.